We are just going to get into it, my friend. Chaos to Clarity, Noise to Narrative. It is Tuesday, January 16th, and it is time for some rare bits. What happens when isolation sparks innovation? How far off is the metaverse? Do I need AR goggles? Today we get these answers and more from our guest, John, from Nowhere Metaverse. But first, we're going to do a lightning fast market update and just look at some things as kind of a time capsule. Currently, over half of the top 50 fashion brands globally use NFTs as a way to connect to their clients better. Bitcoin ETF triggers the largest daily price drop since the FTX crisis. Craig Wright has a trial date set for February 5th, 2024. If you have not been following that story, Craig Wright claims to be Satoshi Nakamoto, the founder of Bitcoin. So it is going to be interesting watching him argue his case in open court. Today, Bitcoin is priced at $43,209. Solana is under $100, trading at $97.29. The atmospherics are in. Enter John Morris, the pioneer, a digital frontier man, the maestro of the online community and founder of Nowhere.org. I.O. John, we are about to take a deep dive into the architecture of your cloud city. But first, please give us a three-minute origin story and highlight the moment you decided to push the boundaries of creating connections digitally. And what that's going to do, it's going to set us up for our rapid-fire Q&A where we're going to crack the code and unpack the community that you are building. John, talk to us, my man. How are you? Hello, I'm doing well. Good to be Good. here. Thanks for having me. Fucking welcome. <laughs> Thanks, man. It's uh, it's an honor to be here. It's an honor to, to, to join you here and I love what you're doing. Crushing it, bringing us to the forefront of the, the future paradise, my friend. All right, a little bit about my backstory that got me here. It took me to nowhere, to be the CEO of nowhere. It's the best title of my life. Uh, I grew up in a small town in Kentucky. I was always obsessed with people, bringing people together through cultural experience. Started building haunted houses when I was a kid. Uh, that went on to a theater degree, studied theater around the world. Uh, ended up being a Cirque du Soleil clown, performed in the show Forza Bruta, which kept bringing me around the world in these giant spectacle-driven theater um, as a performer. And then I got obsessed with kind of how I could bring that work outside the walls of theater into unexpected places. So I started a company called The Windmill Factory, which aimed to create, bring people together through these cultural experiences in unexpected places anywhere from giant slides to Burning Man to Nine Inch Nails tours to giant spectacles for AWS or Google. And all of that work was kind of at its pinnacle right as the pandemic crushed us. Uh, and crushed all of the live experience creators. Um, and we were at the top of our game, and we were kind of looking at how we could move our work that had been so human-centric and creating these you know, kind of epic, outside-the-box cultural experiences. How could we bring that to the digital space? And we researched a ton of tools, and we found out there was nothing that felt good for us. And so we built Nowhere. And at its core, it's bringing humans together in the closest thing we have right now, which is video chat over space and time, putting that in the play and adventure of a video game and making it as easy and as accessible as possible right on a browser or a mobile phone so a kid in a favela can drop in and not only witness the cultural experience and see the concert or the 
um, or the talk at a conference, but also meet people who are also interested in that content. So it's no longer just a one to you know many you know just blast on Twitch or on YouTube, but it's an it's a it's a place they can actually be a part of and move around and network with people and and meet other people who will be portals for them and open doors for them in the world um, and make the world a smaller place. That's a little bit of that. I hope I got it under three minutes there. So if you are ready for some rapid fire, the ideas, short answers equal big impact. It lets us run through a bunch of topics. <laughs> Listen, short answers equal big impact. Do you see yourself primarily as an artist or a technologist? Artist. Do you believe the metaverse will ultimately decentralize social media? Yes. Are you a federal agent? No. Is Nowhere your first Web3 project? Yes. Best pizza in Brooklyn? Aces. Have you been to Burning Man? Many times. 15, I think. Is that an example of community? Yes. Would you say Nowhere leans more toward artistic expression or community building? Ooh, that's a tricky one. Uh, community building. Has your vision for Nowhere changed significantly since its inception? No. Do you think traditional art forms will eventually become obsolete in the metaverse? No. I think the metaverse will strengthen traditional art forms and make them more accessible and more exciting and more global and universal and will only push and make more uh, more traditional media thrive. Is Nowhere actively working on solutions to prevent har harassment and abuse? Always. We're always working on moderation features and really trying to put humans at the core of, you know, being able to select how they moderate their communities within these spaces so that they have the controls they need to be able to create healthy digital spaces online. Do you find open source software crucial for building successful virtual communities? Absolutely. There's an interesting narrative through a lot of the conversations that I've had with people in this space. The underlying theme is so many of us build in silos. When we do that, we have this tendency to all reinvent the same wheel. So community building is such an important aspect, aka open source code. I think those are all wonderful advancements that we did not used to have when, not to go backwards, but they're, they're, they're just wonderful. <laughs> yeah. They're just wonderful. Yeah, like they're great advancements yeah. to have I mean, it. I love that. The only way that nowhere exists today is on the backs of giants. You know who who have right. who have created incredible you know tools that we're able to leverage and and build on top of from WebRTC to um, you know to just basic internet protocols all the way to the game engine that we're built on Babylon JS uh, which is an open source game engine for the web everything everything that came before us on the web to get to this point you know you think about the like metaverse craze twenty you know plus years ago and how rudimentary the tools were. You know, and where we are today, it's like leaps and bounds. And then thinking about where that'll be 20 years from now, it'll be completely spatialized, maybe even digital implants in the brain. Have you ever experienced imposter syndrome as a founder? Always. Do you guys utilize blockchain technology in Nowhere? We have gated spaces uh, throughout Nowhere. So you can you can gate your space on whatever you want you know, from any, any different forms of crypto to NFTs. At the core of nowhere, it is not blockchain-based because we wanted to keep it as open and, and accessible and friendly as possible. And then what we've done is integrating with as many different partners um, who are bringing that technology and making it possible. Like our partnership with Upland, you know, where you can buy and sell digital property and then drop right into your, you know, property uh, in a social space starting this year. 
Upland is, is definitely causing a ruckus in the space. They're touching quite a few communities throughout this space. And I love watching just the interactive growth and, and the gaming underlying river that runs through a lot of this stuff. It, it makes it interesting and it, it entices new users. And I think all of those things are super important for us to get the adoption that, that we need in this space. Yeah. Do you think, and uh, go ahead. I was go just going to say, and I think that that's the biggest key when I look at um, new technology adoption, you know, is there's so much of this is where you have to meet people where they're at, you know? And so a lot of our year this year is going to be focused on trying to, you know, because when you're building in 3D, it's like the only things that have really succeeded within 3D are games. It's like killing people. So how do you how do you meet people where they are when you've got a 3D video chat technology that adds a level of complication and a level of immersion? You know, and so much of this is like meet people where they are, give them the tools um, that they're using in their everyday life, and then make them more accessible, more powerful, more interesting. You know, so. That's where where we're focused on is is really trying to meet where they're at with video chat technology, and then it'll grow from there and become you know exciting and deep and you know until we get into Avatar Codex and you know. But with Upland is a really interesting case. We have Ready Player Me avatars with their uh, with their integration with Nowhere, and then our technology is running the core backbone of it all. Um, and you know, that's a way we can tap into the open metaverse Alliance and be, you know, uh, you know, you can take your digital rights, your assets across, you know, multi-platforms with your ready player, me avatars love what they're doing. It's all good stuff. Yeah. All right. All right. So let's the other, uh, do you know, blockade labs, do you know, those guys, no, We're, we have a partnership with blockade labs with the skybox technology where you can generate a new world basically in seconds you know, from any number of different types of uh, mediums, like from, you know, claymation to, you know, digital, you know, like hyper realism to cyberpunk. And you can do that right in the platform in seconds. So you can basically generate a new world around you right in your, you know, meeting that you dropped off a calendar link. And they're incredible. Um, Blockade Labs has uh, integrations with Unity, with um, Unreal, um, with us to do an instant meeting within the meet.nowhere.io which is again, trying to meet people where they are, you know, it's like, give them the super easy, you know, meeting tool in seconds where you can just drop in and like, you know, have a meeting. And John, just to thumbtack that. And what I, what I do like about when you refer to nowhere metaverse, you've always referred to this user experience first. And when you do that, it makes it easy for the for the newcomer to get involved and do their own exploration. The user first ideology in this space, I think, is how how you give back. You have to, you have to create a great platform that entices people to interact with it. Um, I do love what you're doing. Okay, we're not, we're not done. We're not we're not done. <laughs> I do want you to double click on this question. Do you think that the metaverse will lead to new forms of storytelling? Absolutely. The, Go ahead. I believe the metaverse is going to uh, um, unveil everything that experiential media is doing in real life. Is going to do that in uh, in in digital technology times ten. So, for example, like you see the the transition of all theater going to more experiential, more immersive. You know, this word immersive has kind of come about over the last ten years, and we really helped pioneer that within the Windmill Factory works, creating works that are really hybrid and pull from all kinds of different medias. And now that same um, evolution is happening with a digital layer. And as technology and hardware gets better and better and better, those layers are going to completely just transform together into 
where everybody who's creating a story in the future will be thinking about it not only as something with the people around them in meat space, but now something that they can share globally that can also achieve like interaction within the audience interaction with the performer and the audience for sure, but also interaction with everybody within the audience, whether they're in real life or digital. Who does the gating for, for instance, if an NFT community wanted to lit get a space? Yeah. Lit protocol. They're awesome. They're great. They do, okay. you know, they have any number of, um, uh, integrations, you know, uh, across right. it. It's, it's very easy to set up for your space. Nowhere's all web-based. You drop right out of a discord, you just drop your, your link right there. And then you can gate various spaces within your venue within nowhere. So you can have your, you know, top community members have access to one VIP space where you could have VIP talks and gatherings and hangs. And then you could have a second tier, you know, of just like new members where you welcome new members and onboarding. Um, you know, where you could set it up as, you know, basically like what Upland does is every new player that goes into Upland comes through nowhere to get training in how to use that game. And so you basically are walking down a path and learning about different things um, within a virtual space that's looking out over their San Francisco uh, map. Okay, here, here we go. Have you ever felt discouraged by the pace of progress in the metaverse, especially when we have crypto slumps? Yes and no. You know, we went through that uh, crazy hype cycle with both crypto and the metaverse that I think, you know, the excitement was like definitely turbocharged by, you know, being stuck at home during the pandemic. And now I'm much more um, inclined to think that we're we're back on track to just kind of slowly evolve this technology and listen to one another and and build it smart um, rather than build it in a hype craze. Um so I think that the things that are really shining now are projects that are that are really listening to the communities and really listening to what people need and the utility of tools and how it's actually adding value to their lives. Does nowhere actively have any monetization stages for creators? We have built basic monetization features and left them very much up to the the creators. Uh, so we have tipping. Um, that's a PayPal integration that you can just, you know, use. Um, you can link to anything you want right in from your, you know, the custom frames that you have. And within the next couple of weeks, you can drop in 3D objects. So you could actually drop in, you know, any NFTs, 3D objects, and then have links out to wherever you want to, you know, sell them. Um, we haven't built a lot of in-world, you know, um, sales mechanisms, just because we want people to be able to sell wherever they want to sell. Um, Upland has a lot of integrated, you know, um, UpX transactions um, that'll now be on layer one um, that are in their nowhere spaces. And that'll be pushing out within this um, next couple months, um, which is really exciting as well. Um, but there's a lot of different, you know, opportunities that, you know, it's very open for whatever, however you want to use it. How do you feel about anonymity in the digital space? Is nowhere more like LinkedIn where it's linked to your actual business profile? You know, we built nowhere with a very strong belief in humans at its core, you know, and trying to mimic as much of a reality experience of walking into a room and where everybody can see you, hear you, talk to you and relate with you as a, as a human. And so that is 
our core function and our core belief, you know, that, um, you know, spaces are better when everybody is, you know, able to, to see and be seen. Um, you know, it's like the, the, the masquerade ball gets really fun when everybody takes off their masks at night, but there's a reason for that, you know, is that when, when the excitement, you know, there's a, there's also a time and place for, for masking. And that's why we have built in, you know, the functionality, you can turn your camera off if you want to, you can put post a note over it, whatever, but we are camera on from the top, from jump for larger clients. You know, we have the ready player me avatars. Sometimes when you, you know, you don't want to have to worry about video chat moderation. It's a lot easier mm-hmm. to to just turn on and go with Ready Player Me avatars. And really, that is why you see the massive platforms, you know, uh, choosing avatar, you know, over video chat. You know, video chat are like the <laughs> the engagement time within video chat versus avatars is pretty striking. It's like ten minutes versus fifty two minutes of an engagement session. The interesting point there is these metrics. You have to follow them, right? And and they're so readily available with today's tech. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it, it's it's no wonder. Like if you go into you know, I look if you want to hide your identity, and that's you know, I totally understand why people want to do that and and need to do that sometimes in public spaces. You know, we have you know, you can do public or private spaces in nowhere. So you know, and then you have that ability to turn it on and turn it off. But you cannot. You know, you you can't ignore, you know, we are the most interesting things on the planet, humans, you know, whether that's self-centered, mm-hmm. self-centric, whatever, like, but it's a reason why people love getting together in real life. You know, it's a reason why people, you know, video chat exploded during the pandemic. You know, it's because we, we crave human connection at our core for survival and being able to see facial expressions and body movement you know, we're getting 75% of communication from that, you know, not only just the audio and the, and, and, and hearing it. So when you remove 75% of communication and you expect it to be conveyed by a, um, by a dance move or an avatar, you know, tracking your, your movement, but it's not really you, um, you know, there's a, a whole evolutionary process that we're missing there of feeling safe, feeling secure you know, within these spaces that is missing. I love these arguments because in, especially in the crypto and NFT space, there's, there's, <laughs> yeah. you, I mean, there's this anonymity is king yep. and, and there are, there are privacy nerds totally. that will push to, to the earth to remain private. It comes up quite a bit in the space where people proceed to get into business endeavors and not everybody is doxxed to have pseudonymous people and not know where they are or how to get a hold of them. It's it's an interesting paradigm. But interestingly enough, I also think it's a nod to the future in in a way. Mm. Though though there's I, I don't know if you're familiar with WorldCoin and the orb and having to get your eyes scanned. And this is all by Sam Altman, mm-hmm. the creator of like ChatGPT. And you get your eye scanned, and this is going to be like the human equivalent of you know, the capture test when you're on a website to prove that you're human, oh, wow. you're going to have to prove that cool. you're human with an eyeball scan. Mm-hmm. Worldcoin, it's, it's, a, it's a company, they're a traded cryptocurrency as well. Mm-hmm. They are 
John, it's it, it's really interesting stuff. This eyeball, it travels around and you can go get registered as a human. Mm-hmm. In some countries, it's frowned upon, but other countries, they're letting it roll. Yeah. I went to get my eyeballs scanned when it was here in Miami. It's part of the next yeah. thing. And I love that your platform is geared around a personal co- connection because it is different in this space. And I think it's worth people just thinking about the other side of, of things sometimes. Okay. AI. So in video game world, there is some great things that they are going to be doing. Think of a human pet that follows you around like a dog and talks to you when you're playing Fortnite. Mm-hmm. These AI, these AI bots are going to be kind of like chat bots. Yeah. Do you see AI becoming just a huge portion of metaverse life moving forward? For sure. Oh, for sure. Especially with 3D generation and experience generation. Um, and, you know, NPCs are already, you know, a, a staple within video games in particular. I mean, for video games, it's a no-brainer for NPCs and for, for 3D art generation. I think for the more community-based, you know, it would be interesting to see where, um, where it goes with AI when you can't really tell who you're talking to, if, if who you're talking to is an actual human or not, or whether we care. Um, that's going to get very interesting when we're in a post-truth world with where video, you know, we're post-truth on video. Um, it'll get the, the, the blurred lines are getting so close. Yeah. Oh and yeah. Just, just, and, and John, like just to even do a throwback being a kid and, and being a musician and recording, there was a time when, when digital drums came out and, you would be in the studio and they would say, listen, if you don't get your shit together, we're putting in the drum machine. And it still sounded like <laughs> shit. So, you know, like you could still get away with showing up drunk or whatever. Yeah. But it did get to a point where the, the, the digital stuff became so good. And that line got blurred. It took, it took quite a while. Drums was a, was a really good metric or music is, is a good metric of how that stuff does. But now we're seeing yeah. the, the deep video fakes and all that stuff. It's an amazing time to be alive. Yeah, it really okay. is. Biggest name you've collaborated with artistically? Uh, Trent Reznor, Nine Inch Nails. Can you wear plaid and polka dots? Absolutely. Favorite animal print? Mm, tiger. Is any of your past work known for pushing the boundaries? Yes. Do you have a motorcycle license? <laughs> no. My mom wouldn't let me when I was a kid and then, you know, just kind of <laughs> stayed there. Do you have do you have a favorite video game? Wordle. <laughs> what excites you most about the metaverse and where we are currently? I think the tipping point of AI and 3D world generation and experience generation and co-presence tools becoming very very exciting for interacting in those worlds. Like, you know, where where the avatars will get, you know, extremely high def enough that they will overtake video chat. Um, that's getting very exciting. Um, but I think just accessibility of, of access, like Apple making WebXR, you know, part of Safari and making Safari, you know, now more being able to be 3d native, um, so that there's more competition in the browser world for, for browser based experiences, because again, we got to meet people where they're at. They're on their phones and they're on the desktop. Finish this. To be a successful artist, you need community. Lessons you've learned from past failures. Don't stick your fan- hand in a fan. <laughs> <laughs> how do you quiet your inner? <laughs> John, how do you, 
how do you quiet your inner inner critic? I love my inner critic. My inner critic is is what keeps me keeps me going. So I I you know I I I guess if I have to um, if I have to quiet it, it's through coffee and probably uh, through coffee and dancing. Have you ever felt like you didn't belong? Yes. How'd you push through that? You know, I'm often in spaces in, in most of my work throughout my life. I've been, you know, um, often trying to push the boundaries of, of what I'm, what I'm working on or working in a different medium medium as an artist or working in, in a new, like even with nowhere is a completely new venture to start a tech company. in. um, so I'm often feeling like the outsider. And I think the the best way that I go about that is trying to meet as many people as possible and be my genuine self, you know, which, you know, and just be compassionate about the other people that I'm working with. And then I'm meeting in those spaces to learn as much as possible. Technology ebbs and flows. What do you think the next big driver for the metaverse is? Taylor Swift. I, and so, so music, <laughs> I think, you know, music is, uh, if, 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 if people figure out, and, and we've been doing a lot of testing around music in nowhere, um, VIP experiences with artists is extraordinary when you are able to be face to face, you know, in a community with the artist and, and, you know, see and be seen by the artist and be heard and be able to, you know, yell out, I love you at the concert to the artist and they respond. Um, if, if we're able to really crack the code on that, then I think adoption will, will follow shortly after. And I'll totally contradict that too, which is if, if we're also able, and this is along the same lines because it's belonging. If we're able to give people the feeling of belonging within fandom, within remote teams at work and within remote communities, that will be when the metaverse will really skyrocket. Who's the perfect client for nowhere? Discord. How did you land your first sponsorship? Uh, it, it, this, the short answer is through connections that we already had through a body of work at Windmill Factory. So for, you know, 13 years, and you were involved in some of those early projects, Chris, like, you know, Burning Man installations and different crazy, wacky music videos. But essentially by creating a network and a community of people around us and a, a belief that we could pull off, you know, massive radical projects, you know, whether it be, you know, a, an immersive installation at a giant music festival or, a, you know, a, a massive concert design for metric, you know, people were believing in us and what we could do and, and, you know, really believing in us to really go outside the box. And so when we started nowhere, we walked in the door with, this whole background of pushing boundaries and connections that believed in us to do so. And so, you know, our first, the, the one that I think is the most relevant for this community is um, this uh, whole series of festivals in New York. It's, it's January in New York right now. It's my favorite month to be in New York because it's about 10 different arts arts festivals that happen called Jan arts every year from theater to global music to opera to and all of them are kind of innovative pushing the boundaries of experience and, and experimental 
you know? So one of the producers of that, uh, that we had done this, we made a feature film live with the audience as a one take film called the infinite hotel in this prototype festival, um, several years ago with, with windmill factory. And that producer came to nowhere and was like, Oh my God, this is incredible. You know, can we use this for Jan arts? She connected us with the mayor's office of New York and media and entertainment. And before we knew it, we built a world for the mayor's office of New York and it got used as the social hub and the, the whole, uh, Jan arts festivals, all 10 of those festivals hosted in nowhere, um, right very early in the, in the pandemic. Um, and it was, uh, it was a really boon to what we were working on because we had a paid client who was building a world and hosting in there and getting crazy user feedback, um, from people. And I even, I just ran into, I was at global fest at Lincoln center, um, yesterday and this amazing artist, um, Skip Sheary, who's a wacky, like, you know, MacArthur genius, uh, composer and musician. He, he came up to me and he's like, Hey, I just finished a job that I got in nowhere. And he had, he had gotten a job. Um, uh, I, I think he was composing like a whole score for an opera and he, he got it in that networking session that we had at the Jan arts festivals in nowhere. And I was like, man, that's, that's cool. That's, that's like those, those connections are starting to really reap the rewards a couple years later now. So super cool. What's something that you failed at, but that taught you a great lesson. And I want you to answer. So one part would be as an artist. And the second part would be as a founder of a web three startup company. Great question. The one that I love to talk about is like, it's a very long story, but I'll go brief is the, as an artist, my first kind of big commission was at the MIT media lab to create, um, a vortex of wind with led balloons that would be spiraling in the center of it. And, um, and it was a big commission, you know, and our first big project. And I, I didn't do enough analysis of finding the points of fail that would, um, that would block the project from success. And long story short, it was b basically launching at this event um, for Robert Lepage at the MIT Media Lab. It's an all white space. There's like 10 industrial like fans that are blowing towards the center, creating this vortex of wind. The balloons are in there starting to spin around. And then they all just start popping. And we're, <laughs> and they were like exploding and popping. And the guests are coming in. And we just gotten the installation done. And the guests are coming in. And we're like, what the hell is happening? What is going on? Oh my God, this is, this is the worst. And so we're scrambling to try to figure it out. The tech crew is in the back, like, you know, adjusting things that, you know, like refilling up balloons, putting more balloons in. And then I'm frantically like moving around, trying to readjust the fans thinking, oh, is it the, you know, is it the, the wind current isn't right. And as I'm adjusting the fans, the, there was a broken cage on the fan and my, finger my whole hand basically slipped in the fan and it almost took off two fingers and blood went everywhere <laughs> white room <laughs> like vip guests uh -huh. coming in the whole installation is just you know falling apart and i could have lost my hand and it was all because um somebody had cut metal in the uh shop earlier that afternoon and they didn't 
clean up appropriately. And we were, we were a little late to the load in. So we didn't quite inspect the um, site as much. And so the balloons being like a lot of static electricity, we're pulling the metal shards up onto the surface of the balloon. And then as they hit in the air, it was creating holes and they were bursting. So John, and just, just doing outlandish ideas live in front of <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's that added pressure. It's, it, yeah. Well, and, and, and so as an artist, what, that was, give me, the, give me a take the big takeaway there is, is really a lot of, pre- you can never have enough preparation, especially when you're doing something live and you have to get a, a strong crew of people around you with great brains and then you have to pick apart as many points of fail as absolute possible because there's always going to be a moment where there's metal shavings that are, you know, <laughs> there's always going to be a moment. Every time you do something live, something is going to happen wrong and you have to eliminate as many points of fail so that you're ready to be able to deal with the one that comes. All right. And, and now shift gears for me and talk about founder life in web three and, and a failure that you, that you learned from early on that possibly has helped get you to where you are now? I'll say a a lot of this is just um, really trying to strengthen community and really build with community is always the, you know, it's, it's always a challenge when you're trying to do a million things and, you know, and you're building a core technology that's really complicated. I think in the beginning of starting nowhere, I'll, I'll say, we had a we had an amazing opportunity to work with a a really killer CTO that I really really wanted to work with the company, and I pushed really really hard, and I made the mistake that I was actually too convincing, and I convinced I convinced this person to work with us, and it was a it was against her best interest, and so the the lesson there is you know a lot of founders you know like myself can be very convincing you know and you're so passionate about what you're doing you're really like you know you can convince you know that's your whole job is basically to convince people of your dream and and you have to be really really good at it now the but you have to be really careful because you need to make sure that your dream is aligning with the other person's dream and that they're going to be able to support each other um and that it's a really good fit for for both parties and early on building nowhere, it was, it's our, my first tech company building and it, and it, um, you know, and I wasn't, I was, I was putting the project above this person's dream and their needs. And I wasn't listening well enough. Um, and I think that that can happen time and time again, when you're a founder is that you have to, in order to make everything work when you're working on some very complicated technology and something really complex that's never been created in the world, you have to believe so wholeheartedly. You have to like just drive for it. And yet you need to 100% make sure that you step back and listen when you're working on a partnership or a new hire um, or a new project that you're really building for the project's needs um, and for making sure that everybody's everybody's dreams are aligned. Even as an artist, it's almost like you are creating and it's difficult to take input sometimes because it, it it's, and especially when you have a strong vision, it can almost, be, you can almost 
absorb it personally, but, but to listen to your community and your supporters and people around you are that, that that's where the wealth is and, and yeah. not, not monetarily. That's, that's where the wealth of building is and creating something that is magical and sustainable. And, and um, often where the wealth is, you know, often where the monetization is, yes. you know, talk to me about how, how did you assemble the team of artists and architects and engineers to kind of get those things going in the early days through community, through friends, you know, um, almost always, you know, we're, we're reaching out, you know, to, to the people around us to make connections. Um, in the very early days of nowhere, it was created by, um, dear friends who were incredible engineers who took time off work in the evenings to help us kind of build the demo, um, and just kind of see if this was a viable, you know, idea to throw video chat into, into 3d environments, you know, from there, they connected us with other people. And that's really how we, how we made those connections. John, if somebody's brand new to Nowhere, what is the best way for them to get acquainted with the platform? I think it's to go to the to the middle in Nowhere, which if you go to Nowhere.io and you just tr click Try Now, um, you know, you'll drop into an environment that showcases a lot of what um, the platform can do. And, the, you know, there's all kinds of things in that environment. There's an ice skating rink. There's a hidden ice skating rink. There's a maze. There's a, a little race game. Um, and then, you know, host an event, you know, grab a free space, uh, you know, you can, you can host something, you know, and just invite your friends in. It's just a link. I always say that you really understand the excitement of the metaverse when you host something and you can have a, a, a talk or an exciting concert that brings people in. And then you can talk, have three to four different conversations and then you walk away with the real feeling of a night out. Are you interested in collaborating with different people that are also doing virtual worlds? A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. We get, you know, partnerships is really the way that we win. And I, I see some folks from Upland here. Give me a, give me a shout out. That's a wonderful example of a, of a partnership. People pick different avenues to try and build their community. And I, I've been interviewing quite a few people. And the idea is to kind of crack the code and, and help new creators out, new people that are building things. What makes sense? And I've talked with people that, that exclusively put out content on LinkedIn. And that is a really B2B platform. And I personally don't think it's super Web3 blockchain savvy just yet i think it will be soon i think the etf decision that we just got is going to be part of how that changes but yeah. John, it's it's like i i feel like you guys need to be on this platform on x this is where you guys are going to find some interesting community some of the technical things that you talked about early on in our discussion it lends really well to some of the things that people are doing in this space. And it adds another dimension to what they're doing. So they don't have to do that. So I do see lots of correlation and lots of opportunity for collaboration for you guys. John, I don't want to keep it much longer. A couple last questions. Yeah. How do you define success in your life? If I'm creating experiences that are connecting people and, and bringing more happiness in the world. And do you have any advice for aspiring creators? Make it do it. There's always a version. There's always a version you can make without the limitations that you're putting on it.
you know, I think a lot of creators, they're like, oh, I can't do that because I need, you know, uh, I need to have that special device or, or I need that special technology to do that. Or, oh, I, I could do that, but I need a larger space. You know, there's always a way to do it with less, you know, and there's always a way to do an MVP. Um, and I think when you're in a state of creating, when you're in an active state of bringing something to the world, things happen positively to you and connections happen to you. If you're in a state of waiting, there's rarely the, the unlocking of the potential that you're going to bring to the world is going to happen from that state. So I always believe always be making. There's an underlying theme that, that I have as well. And it's something that I learned as an artist very early on is a lot of times people strive for perfection and that, that, that pursuit for perfection sometimes stops you from putting out work. Yeah. And one of the best, most liberating things I learned early on as an artist is sometimes you just need to send it, yeah. get it off your plate, get it out into the world, make it, do it. The best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The next best time is right fucking now. Do it. <laughs> that, make it, Amen. do it. Yeah, John, you are fucking an absolute rock star. <laughs> yeah, dude, thank you for coming on. Hey, thank you. It's awesome. It's, you know, you're 100% right. We need to be more on X. We need to be more in the Web3 communities. I think, you know, we pushed hard into where video chat was was really enabling us to be and um, LinkedIn is a great platform for us for, for business tools where people are on computers all day long, you know, and, and really have a need for synchronous meeting. Think of this. So, so in my Substack, I report on a lot of tech news. So recently, Elon Musk pulled NFT support for profile pictures. So if, if it, it used to be that you could link your profile picture to your wallet and it gave you a hexagon yep. shape stating you were a digital owner. Yep. That, that's gone from Twitter. And the reason that is gone is because they are going to shift to a video focus. You need to you need to think about this future forward because while it's not enabled now, these are the things that are coming down the pike in eight to twelve months. So mm -hmm. there's going to be a creator incentive here. There's going to be incentive to produce video content in almost every single interview that I've had for this show. Creators talk about the thing that is going to propel the boat forward. And that propeller is user-generated content. You guys get out there and make shit. That's right. That is the show. <laughs> that, John, that's the show. You're fucking awesome. Thank you for joining me. Um, you continue to inspire me, my friend. And everybody else, remember, the rabbit hole runs deep. Get your daily dose of crypto clarity and my sub stack. All of John's links are going to be posted in the podcast episode. <laughs> Search Rare Bits. Listen, subscribe. Or any Rare Bits make us hotline. You guys are fucking awesome. Everybody, thank you for coming out. Boom. Amen. Love you, brother. Love you too, brother.